Amen. Come on. Clap your hands unto the Lord. The Holy Ghost is already moving in this house. Why don't you lift your voice? Begin to magnify the name of Jesus. Come on. You don't have to wait for the preaching. You can get your breakthrough right now. Come on. You can get what you need from Jesus right now. Why don't you lift your voice? Come on. He's here. The King is here. You ought to praise his name. You ought to magnify his name. You ought to glorify him. Come on. Come on, lift your voice all over this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. One more time, clap your hands unto Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. We're so thankful for the spirit of God that we feel here in this place. Amen. We're so thankful, amen, that God would visit with us. Amen. Because there's millions gathering. Amen. But Jesus is here. Amen. And we are so excited about the things of God and all that God is doing. Amen. And I'm so excited to be back here at ARC. Um, I've been rejoicing with you. Amen. I've been gone, but I've been paying attention. People have been getting the Holy Ghost. People have been being baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. And I believe that before the service is over, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost today. Amen. Amen. I've, I, I, I've seen many people who, who've, who've never heard of the Holy Ghost. They don't really know it's their first time in an apostolic church. Amen. That's okay. Amen. But before the service was over, they were talking in tongues and God had changed their life. If you need something from God today, God can meet your need. God can meet your need. And I'm so excited, amen, for what God is going to do. If you have your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 6, and also we're going to be going to Genesis chapter 37. 2 Kings chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 37. While you turn there, amen, I want to give honor to your pastor and his wife in their absence. Amen. I'm thankful for their friendship. I'm thankful, amen, that God sent them here to Carson City. And I'm excited to see what God is doing through their ministry and through this church. Amen. I give honor to your ministry team and the music, amen, that's still, amen, holding up. Amen. Even with sisterhood gone you guys did an excellent job i want to give you honor today amen i'm thankful amen for anointed musicians who can usher in the presence of god amen and i'm so thankful for the spirit of god that i feel here amen i started evangelizing in october and i realized that since i've been evangelizing i've been in nevada quite a bit but it's mostly been in the winter and spring months Amen. But there was a shift when I got out of my car today. I was like, man, it's, it's a little warm. Praise God. Amen. I haven't quite experienced the Nevada summer. Amen. But we're going to have church anyways. Amen. Amen. Second Kings chapter 6. And um, I want to give honor to my wife in her absence. Our youngest daughter is not feeling too well. And so they weren't able to make the trip with me. And I am a better preacher when my family's with me. But God will make up the difference. Amen. And they plan on being here on Wednesday. I'm looking forward to these revival services. I've been praying. I feel I have a word for somebody here today. Second Kings, Second Kings chapter 6. We're going to read verse 8 through 17. And then in Genesis chapter 37, we're going to jump around a bit in that chapter. And I feel, amen, I was praying this morning. Amen. And God laid this sermon on my heart. Amen. I've only preached this sermon uh, I believe at two other churches, and so I feel that God is really trying to speak to someone today, and uh, if you would allow me to just walk through this story to get to where we, we're going to go today, I believe the Holy Ghost is going to do a quick work in this house. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 8 through 17, Genesis chapter 37, you have it, say amen. Amen. The Bible says, 
Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. The man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. The king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. He called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. He said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Everybody say Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and encompassed the city about when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? He answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Genesis chapter 37, starting at verse 15 through 17, Bible says, And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. The man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. The man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. Everybody say Dothan. Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. Verse 23 and 24, And it came to pass, when Joseph was come unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. They took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Lastly, verse number 28. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen. They drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. Amen. The Lord dealt with me this morning. I want to preach to you from this thought for the next few moments. The paradox... Of Dothan, the paradox of Dothan. Do you set your Bibles down and lift your hands and pray with me? God, we love you. We thank you for your spirit that we feel in this house. God, these are your people, and I pray that your word would begin to penetrate our hearts and our minds. God, we understand 
that except your spirit move, we cannot understand, we cannot change, and we cannot have the victory. We understand that in our flesh is no good thing. And that if anything is going to happen in this service, it's going to take the spirit and the power of God. For God, we cannot be moved by the intellect of man. We cannot be moved by wise words in the, in the natural. But God, somehow, some way, we need your spirit to begin to move in this place and to begin to shake our hearts and shake our spirits. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would fulfill everything that is set out to fulfill in this place and God when it's said and done will give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise come on if you have the Holy Ghost why don't for a few moments you begin to magnify and lift up the name of Jesus come on God wants to accomplish something in this place but we need his spirit to go before us come on we can't receive anything in our carnal nature but we got to get in the spirit come on somebody begin to tap into the spirit right now come on don't let the devil take what God has for you today. Why don't you lift up the name of Jesus and give him the praise one more time. Clap your hands and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Praise God. You may be seated. Amen. The paradox of Dothan. Allow me, as I said at the offset, to walk through this story. There's several things I want to highlight before we get to where I believe the Holy Ghost wants to take us. And when we get there, amen, we'll, we'll move quickly. Amen. The scripture text we've taken this afternoon, it throws us straight into the growing conflict between two nations, this nation of Syria, the nation of Israel. What you have to understand is that Syria at the time was one of the most formidable warring nations that had ever existed up until this point. Up until this moment, Syria had grown accustomed to dominating and quickly overcoming any and all nations that stood in their way. It was said that once Syria shut their eyes on a nation and on conquering a certain territory, that it was a matter of when and not if that nation would fall. If Syria decided that they wanted your land and they wanted your territory and they wanted, uh, amen, your families and your nation, amen, it was only a matter of time before they were successful in that mission. But Syria, when coming against the nation of Israel, they encountered a problem. The king and his military leader would begin to strategize and pick a place for his camp, a place in which the landscape and geography no doubt gave them an easy advantage over the unsuspecting Israelites. Uh, but the Bible lets us know that each time they would be ready to overcome the people of God, uh, that the Israelites would pass through a different way and escape. Now, this would have been normal if it had happened one time, maybe even twice, but each time they would set a plan in motion, the Israelites would somehow escape from the hand of Syria. 
and the king of Syria, the Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 11, he became very troubled and began to suspect that he had someone in his own council who was a spy reporting his military tactics uh, to Israel because there was no other way that Israel could be escaping except there was someone who was revealing their plan to the enemy. But one of his servants told him about a prophet by the name of Elisha and how he tells the king of Israel the things that the king of Syria speaks in the very privacy of his bedchambers. Now let me stop and tell you that Elisha was not there physically to hear these plans of this king, but it was God that revealed the enemy's plans to Elisha. Amen. Let me minister here for a moment. Uh, amen. That you ought not be discouraged because there's an enemy lying in wait for you. The people of God should not be fearful that we have an adversary that's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Why? Because Isaiah 54, 17 never says that weapons wouldn't be formed, but it does let us know that those weapons would not prosper. Amen. Let me preach to where we live. Just because people are out to get you doesn't mean you should be fearful. Doesn't mean that all hope is lost because we serve a God that knows how to bring you through every circumstance. Not only that, but the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, uh, that with every temptation uh, that God would make a way of escape, uh, that ye may be able to bear it. Uh, amen. Let me remind you for a few moments uh, this afternoon uh, that there's nothing you're facing uh, that God does not know how to take you out of. Uh, not only that, there's nothing you're facing uh, that God is not capable of taking you through. Uh, that should be encouraging to the people of God uh, because that lets me know that in every season of life, uh, I serve a God, uh, amen, who knows how to navigate me around the plan uh, of the enemy. Uh, amen. What am I saying? Go ahead and let the devil strategize. Uh, we serve a God that's greater. We serve a God that's stronger. We serve a God uh, who knows your end from your beginning. Uh, I've come to let somebody know in this house, uh, you don't got to be afraid of the devil. You don't got to be afraid of people who are plotting against you. Uh, you don't got to be afraid, uh, amen, of the adversary. Why? Because we serve a God that says, I know how to take you through whatever you're facing. Come on, somebody, clap your hands and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, come on. I just came to tell somebody today, it won't work. It won't work. Those that are plotting against this church, it won't work. Those that are plotting against you, it won't work. Why? Because we serve a God that's more than able. We serve a God that's all-powerful. We serve a God that's all-knowing. And it doesn't matter what comes against me when I have the Lord on my side. Amen. Clap your hands and give God the glory. And although that is exciting, amen, there's one stipulation. God did not reveal the enemy's plans to Israel. God did not reveal the enemy's plans to the servants of the king. God did not reveal his plan to the king of Israel himself. But he revealed the enemy's plans to Elisha. He revealed the enemy's plans to the man of God. And then, watch this, Israel had to act accordingly 
in order to avoid the trap that is set. Let me put it this way. God revealed the enemy's plans to the man of God. The man of God brought a word to the people of God, and it was up to the people of God to be obedient to the word to his man in order for them to avoid escape. What am I reminding you of? Hear me today. I feel this in the Holy Ghost to tell somebody that God has ordained for you to have a man of God in your life. God has ordained for you to have a pastor in your life. Amen. There's a lot of people today, amen, that don't like that. They said no man should be able to tell me what to do. No man should be able to tell me how to conduct my life. But then you go to work and your boss tells you to do something and you do it without question. I'm telling you it's divine order for there to be a man of God who God reveals his plan to to preach to the people of God and that they're obedient to the word that was given. A pastor was not given to dictate, control, and micromanage every detail of your life, but he's a watchman on a wall to warn you and guide you as the Spirit of God deems fit. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 15 says, I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. God didn't place you here by chance, but he knew what you needed in a pastor. Let let me tell you why we preach this way because there's a lot of people that think that they can hear from God and get counsel outside of the counsel that God gives his man I'm preaching that there is divine order in which God has set in place and God will always speak to his man and then to his people God spoke to Moses and then he spoke to the children of Israel all through the book of Judges God would speak through the judge and then he would speak to the people and I've just come to tell somebody Amen. It's time to have a pastor in your life. A lot of us have a preacher in our life, but you need to have a pastor in your life. You need to have someone who can look at you and say, I don't think that's best for your life. And you don't get offended. You don't get upset. But you understand that God has placed that man in your life to guide you and to give you knowledge. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 when talking about leaderships and pastors uh, says obey them that have the rule over you uh, and submit yourselves uh, for they watch for your souls uh, as they that must give account uh, that they may do it with joy uh, and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. And that's why service is more than just a gathering or meeting place. It's a place where the word of God can go forth and give you direction to avoid the traps that the enemy has laid. Word of God has the power to set you free, but you must take the word you hear and apply it in order to not fall prey to the devil. Amen. You have to have a man of God in your life that you're accountable to. You have to have a man of God in your life that you go to and God will begin to work, amen, in that relationship of submitting yourselves to the man he has placed in your life. Somebody say amen. And so this brings us to the heart of the sermon where the king of Syria sends his troops to find his man, this prophet who somehow was always aware of the plans uh, that he had laid against Israel. And 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14 lets us know that Syria sends chariots and horses and a great host that compassed the city round about. reason he encompassed them round about, he was going to make sure that this time Israel did not escape. And so what he did was completely surround the city. 
And Elisha's servant runs to him and brings him the bad news and yells out in fear, what are we going to do? We're surrounded by the enemy. And Elisha looks at the servant and says, fear not, for they that are with us are more than they that be with them. And this gets into a spiritual element, amen, that's important for us to understand. Because often our circumstance and our environment does not make much sense to our natural thinking. But God has to give us insight into the spiritual. Because this servant in his natural, all he could see were the people that were surrounding them. He could not see the divine protection that God had put in place. All he could see was the problem. Amen. And first, Elijah gave a word. And then he prays in verse 17 and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Bible says that then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Watch this. In verse 15, we just talked about the Bible says that the city was surrounded. But here in verse 17, God makes sure to let the reader know that there were horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. What am I saying? Yes, the Syrian troops may surround the city, but Elisha is surrounded by God. Hear me, yes, trouble may surround you, uh, but you're surrounded by God. Uh, yes, distress may surround you, uh, but you're surrounded by God. Uh, yes, you may be surrounded by enemies, uh, but you're surrounded by God. And my question to you today is what situation are you facing uh, that's able to break through the divine protection uh, that God has placed around you? Can I tell you what this verse is revealing to us? Uh, it's letting us know that before the enemy can ever get to you, uh, it has to get through God. And if God does not give the okay for you, amen, to face that adversity, there's nothing the enemy can do. I'm reminded that Job, amen, the devil had to ask for permission in order to afflict Job. There's a revelation here. That means if you're going through it, that God thinks you're capable of dealing with it. That the enemy is not taking you by chance, but perhaps God sees more in you than you see in yourself. And so he allows the enemy to bring persecution so it reveals to you your greatest than you think you are. You're stronger than you think you are. Amen. You're more capable than you think you are. I'm telling somebody today, I know you're surrounded by trouble. I know you feel depression and worry and stress and anxiety, but the the God that we serve surrounds us, and there's nothing that can get to us when we're surrounded by Jesus. Watch this in verse 14. Syria, the Bible tells us, sent a great host. That should let you know automatically that Syria had messed up because 1 Samuel 1 and 3 tells us that God is the Lord of hosts. The word host is translated from the Hebrew word sabaoth, meaning armies. What scripture is letting us know is that he's a God that has an angelic army that outnumbers the armies of the enemies. I'll say that again. He's a God that has an angelic army that outnumbers the armies of the enemies. Uh, can I stop here a moment and tell someone this morning, uh, amen, that unlike what the devil would have you think, uh, we here today, apostolic, filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, outnumber the enemy and the adversaries that we face. 
Hear me today, amen, because if we're not careful, we'll think uh, that it's us against Carson City. It's just the people in this room against Carson City. But I'm telling you what God is trying to do is open somebody's eyes to let you know, uh, amen, that there is an angelic army. Uh, there is a host that's surrounding this church. Uh, there's... There's angelic armies that are going before this church. You may think in outreach that it's just 10 of you that are going to try and win a city of 100,000, but hear me, there are angels that go before us, and I've come to give somebody the revelation that there are more with us than are in this service. There are more with us than what we can see with our natural eye, and you got to pick up that Bible study chart and stop thinking that it's you against the world, but hear me, he goes before us. There's a God that's fighting for you, that has an angelic army that outnumbers the armies of the enemies. But what we have to do is allow God to open our eyes to see, amen, that there's more that be for us than that be against us. God wants to open our eyes to see that he's in control. The government's not in control. The mayor's not in control. The president's not in control. And we got to remind ourselves this because if we're not careful, we'll get so wrapped up in politics. We'll get so wrapped up in the news uh, that we get discouraged about everything that's happened. We get discouraged uh, about who's elected into office. We get discouraged uh, about a new policy that's coming out. Can I remind somebody that Daniel 2 tells us uh, that God sets up kings uh, and he removes kings. Uh, he puts people in power and he takes people out of power. What is scripture letting us know? Uh, that everything that happens in our world is controlled by our God. That means that God is still in control, that he's still on the throne, that he's still more than able. I just feel to let somebody know we're the majority this morning. You ought to get excited about that. We're on the winning team. Our God is in control. He was God in the beginning, and he'll be God in the end. He was God then, and he's God now. I'm talking about the king of the universe. But you know what the problem is? We magnify our problems more than we magnify our God. Can I tell you, if I were to go outside today and I was to hold this phone close enough to my eye, I could block out the sun with this phone. That doesn't mean that the, this phone is bigger than the sun, but it's just a matter of what I'm looking at. I've come to tell somebody, if you would stop magnifying your problems and lift your eyes to the hills from which cometh your help, you'll realize there's nothing you're facing that God is not capable of solving. But the reason your problem is so big is because you're fixated on it. I'm telling you, I'm trying to push back against that today and let somebody know it's time to get your eyes back on Jesus and realize he's still in control. He can still work miracles. He can still heal bodies. He can still fill people with the Holy Ghost. Come on. You know what I'm going to do for the next few moments? I'm going to begin to magnify Jesus until he's bigger than your problems. You want to know who God is? He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the light of the world. He's the son of righteousness. He's the root of David. He's the prince of life. He's our savior. He's our chief shepherd. He's the horn of our salvation. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the prince of life. He's our advocate. He's the bishop of our souls. He's our day spring. He's the prince of peace. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. He's our governor, and he's the Lord God Almighty. He's the holy one, and he's the head of the church. He's the first, and he's the last. He's the author, and he's the finisher. He's the resurrection, and he's the light. Come on, somebody. 
He's the beginning and he's the ending. He's Alpha and he's Omega. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Holy One. He's the Lord God, mighty in battle. He's our protection. He's our peace. He's our strong tower. He's the very present help in time of trouble. Come on, magnify him. Magnify him. He's our Messiah. He's our righteous judge. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's above all. He's the light of the world. And his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody say that name in here. Say Jesus. Come on, say Jesus. Come on, say Jesus. He's bigger than my problem. Say Jesus. He's bigger than my depression. Say Jesus. He's bigger than my stress. Say Jesus. He's bigger than what I face. Say Jesus. He's bigger than Carson. Come on. Say the name of Jesus. Come on, you got to lift up his name until what you're going through doesn't matter. You got to lift up his name until what you're facing doesn't fill you with turmoil. You got to lift up his name until he's back on the throne in your heart. Because oftentimes we're lethargic. We go through the motions. Amen. We show up to church and we leave unchanged. We show up to church and we're still thinking about our problem. I'm telling you, while I'm preaching right now, there are some of you uh, that are thinking about what you're facing. Uh, there are some of you that are thinking about bills. Uh, there are some of you that are thinking about jobs. Uh, but I've come to remind somebody today that God is in control. Uh, and he never stops being in control. Uh, and guess what? God doesn't forget how to be God. Uh, he knows what to do in your life. Uh, he knows where he's taking you. Uh, he He's not confused. He's not worried about what you're facing. Who am I preaching to today? I'm telling you that God is in control. We got to begin to magnify him until he's Lord of all. Clap your hands and give God the glory. Amen. It is here that we reach the heart of what I want to preach to you today. Amen. Uh, walk with me for a few moments. God does the miraculous for Elisha and his servant here in the city of Dothan. Everybody say Dothan. In a time of great distress, when the city is surrounded and the servant of the man of God is full of worry, God opens his eyes to see an angelic host, horses and chariots of fire that were surrounding and protecting him. And this is an encouraging thing to know and a powerful thing to experience the overwhelming peace and security of God in times of trouble. But the reality of life, hear me, is that we don't always feel the presence of God. We don't always feel the anointing. There are some of us here today that are walking into this church, and it's been several months, amen, the last time you've spoken in tongues and felt the presence of God. And if we're being honest, it's not all the time that God reveals his miraculous supernatural power in our time of needs. Let me preach to where we live. There are a lot of us here today under the sound of my voice uh, that there are prayers that you prayed desperately uh, that you needed God to answer uh, and God did not answer and he was nowhere to be found uh, and you felt like you were deserted uh, and you felt like you were all by yourself. Uh, but I want you to understand, uh, amen, we all know this to be true from experience. But also when you search the scriptures, you find this to be true as well. That it's not all the time that God reveals his power and his presence. In fact, if we were to jump back to our other scripture texts we took, 
we find the only other time the Bible takes us to the city of Dothan. There are only two occasions in Scripture that Dothan is mentioned. It's mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, and it's mentioned in Genesis chapter 37. And here in Genesis chapter 37, we learn of a man named Joseph. Joseph was loved greatly by his father and was given a coat of many colors. God had also given him a dream, and all of these things begin to culminate in his brothers despising him and being full of envy and jealousy. And in the setting of our scripture text from Genesis 37, we see Jacob sending Joseph to check on his brothers and to see how they were doing in the feeding of his flocks. And the Bible tells us that Joseph arrives in Shechem and gets directions from a man telling him that his brothers were in Dothan. Everybody say Dothan. And it is here where we read of how when Joseph arrives in Dothan, his brothers strip his coat off of him and throw him in a pit where there was no water. I want you to imagine with me, place yourself in his shoes, uh, the distress and the turmoil he must have been in. Uh, not only was his coat stripped from him, uh, but he was thrown into a pit. Uh, he had no water. He had no food. Uh, and he had to listen to his brothers, uh, the people who were supposed to be the closest people to you in the world. Uh, he had to listen to them discuss killing him with his very ears. And not only that, the Bible tells us that they sell him into slavery and Joseph is taken to Egypt. Picture this with me. Joseph is in a place where God did the miraculous for Elisha. Yet here in Joseph's greatest hour of need, God is nowhere to be found. God is silent. There's no doubt in my mind, if you're listening to people discuss killing you, uh, that you would begin to pray and reach out to God. Uh, but nowhere in Scripture does the Bible tell us uh, that God lets Joseph know that everything's going to be okay. Uh, in spite of Joseph's pleas, uh, in, spite of jo in spite of Joseph's prayers, uh, there is nothing to indicate that God ever spoke to Joseph. Joseph is here in Dothan, and he doesn't see a great angelic host. He doesn't see horses of fire or great chariots surrounding and protecting him. God doesn't lift Joseph out of his pit. He doesn't blind his brothers and give Joseph a, a path to escape. If you read the sto story, it's almost as if God had abandoned Joseph altogether. He'd given him a dream, but now in his moment of need, Joseph is not able to find the comforting presence of God. And in fact, as you study scripture, you'll find something very interesting that although the Bible tells us that Joseph was blessed, although the Bible tells us that the Lord was with him, although the Bible tells us that he gave Joseph the ability to interpret dreams and put him in a place of great power, there's one thing that you'll never find in the story of Joseph, and that is one instance of God speaking directly to Joseph. You'll never find God speaking to Joseph. You'll never find God explaining what he's doing, why he's thrown into prison, why Potiphar's wife lied on him. You'll never find God giving him the assurance. We know that the Spirit of God is with him, and we know that God is giving him favor and wisdom throughout all the ups and downs, uh, but not once do you find God speaking directly to Joseph or doing some instantaneous external miracle. Yet although the hand of God was not always evident, we do know it was always there nonetheless. 
And Joseph himself reached this conclusion in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He says, but for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass this day and to save much people alive. We know that's exciting. We have the foresight to be able to read the end of the story and know that God was doing all of these things on purpose. But we're not dealing with Joseph at the end of the story. We're dealing with Joseph in Dothan. We're dealing with Joseph when God is silent. We're dealing with Joseph when he's in the greatest trial of his life. Amen. But in the moment, amen, he had to walk by faith when the heavens were silent and he's in a pit being sold into slavery. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. And this is the paradox of Dothan and the revelation God would have me leave you with this morning. Something I believe is going to help somebody and encourage someone in the house today. Hear me. We all face our own Dothan. And sometimes God does the miraculous and the supernatural. And at other times in Dothan, heaven is silent. But hear me. In each occurrence, God was still there. And God was still watching, and God was still guiding, and God was still protecting. And I've come to preach to you not to be discouraged when you're facing hardship and you can't perceive God. Because even when you can't perceive God in your situation... Hear me in the Holy Ghost. God is still there with you. God is still by your side. And what I'm telling you, this is what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to convince somebody under the sound of my voice that the silence of God proves that you've sinned and you've gone in error. He's trying to tell somebody under the sound of my voice uh, that the silence of God is proof that God has abandoned you. Uh, he's trying to tell somebody under the sound of my voice uh, that the silence of God is because he doesn't love you and he doesn't care for you uh, and that God is going to destroy you and God uh, has left you all by yourself in Dothan. But I've come to tell somebody Amen. The revelation and hope. Uh, hear me that sometimes the blessings of God uh, are instantaneous. Uh, and at other times it's as if there's a brass uh, ceiling uh, over heavens, over the heavens. Hear me. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, uh, but God spoke to me this morning to preach this here in this atmosphere. Come on, just because I'm a preacher doesn't mean I don't know what it's like uh, to hit my knees and pray uh, and feel like God can't hear me. Uh, I don't know about you, but there's times I hit my knees and pray. Uh, and it feels like God is a thousand miles away. And there's others that are getting blessed. And there's others that are being touched. And the church is on fire. And people are running the aisles. And people are jumping. And people are dancing. And people are being blessed. And you feel like God has abandoned you. And you can't feel his presence. And you can't feel his love. I've come to tell somebody. Woo. It's the paradox of Dothan. God has not left you. God is not angry at you. God has not given up on you. God has not turned your back on you. In fact, Hebrews 13 and 5 tells us that God will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. I've come to, I'm preaching to someone today. I may not be preaching to a majority, but I'm preaching to someone that's in a trial of a lifetime, and you're wondering where God is at, and you're wondering where this God that the pastor preaches about is at, and you're wondering about the God that's done so many miracles, and why is he not answering your prayers? I've come to tell you, it's just the paradox of Dothan. Sometimes I feel him. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I see him. Sometimes I 
I don't. Sometimes I hear his voice, and sometimes he's silent. But in every situation, he's always by my side. He's always guiding me, and he's always protected me. And whether I can feel him or perceive what he's doing in my life, God is orchestrating my footsteps. I've come to tell somebody in this house today that God will never leave you. That God will never, I'm telling you, God sent me here to preach this to somebody today. That he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. And God will never walk out on you. God will never stop leaving the 99 to chase after the one. I understand you see some people in Dothan and you see the miraculous being unfolded in their lives. And you see the blessings of God raining down. Can I just preach to where we live? Come on, come on. You see people being blessed. You need a car. Amen. And God is not answering your prayer and you see others being blessed with cars you need a financial miracle and you see others being blessed financially and it seems like God has forgotten your needs you need God to touch your body and you're watching everybody else be touched you're watching others in Dothan see the clouds parted and opened up but in your life God is silent in your life God it seems like he's turned the lights off and it seems like you're dark and you're wading through a cloud of confusion and uncertainty. And I'm preaching to someone, you might have made up your mind that this was going to be your last service. That you've given God everything that you have and it seems like all your good is returned with evil. Come on, I'm preaching to you. Amen. Just because I'm a preacher, hear me. You know what? I've had to preach to others that God will bless them financially when I needed a financial miracle in my own life. I've seen God heal bodies when I needed God to touch my body. I preached to others about what God would do when in reality I needed God to do it in my life. I'm trying to give you a revelation. This message is not supposed to make you shout and run the aisles. This is giving somebody the revelation that even though you don't perceive him, Job said, I look to the left and I look to the right and it seems like you've abandoned me. I'm telling you, God is orchestrating your footsteps. Amen. God is directing your path. Joseph, I know you don't understand why you're in the pit. I, don't, I know you don't understand why you're thrown into prison. But all of this is to work to save much people alive. I know I didn't reveal my plan to you. I know I didn't tell you. Amen. When the baker, amen, forgot, when the servant, the butler, forgot about you and you're stuck in prison and you don't understand why I've left you there. There's going to be a point in time when I raise you out of the prison and I put you before a king and you're going to stand on a mountaintop and look back over your life and realize although I didn't see him and I didn't know what he was doing, each loss, each tribulation, each trial was putting me to where I am right now. I'm preaching to someone just because people get up here and tell you, amen, that, they, that God spoke to them, amen, doesn't mean that everything's perfect in their life. I'm trying to preach to somebody today that God knows what he's doing in your life, that God knows what he's doing in your life, and silence is not the absence of God. It's just the paradox of Dothan that sometimes I reveal myself, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I roar with thunder, and sometimes I'm silent, but do you trust me enough 
to be faithful when I'm silent? Do you trust me enough to still show up to church when I don't meet your expectations? Do you trust me enough to still hit your knees and pray even when it seems like I'm a thousand miles away? Do you trust me enough to dance? Do you trust me enough to shout? Do you trust me enough to run? Amen. Even when you feel like I haven't been good to you, do you trust me? Amen. Do you trust me enough to worship like you did when God blessed you? There's a lot of us that can shout, amen, when we're blessed. There's a lot of us that can shout from the comfort, amen, of our 401k. There are a lot of us that know how to praise God because he's so good, because you have a lot of money in your bank account. But I'm telling you, you got to learn how to bless God and praise God when you have nothing. Because understand this, even when I have nothing, if I have Jesus, I have everything that I need. Come on, there's an assurance that comes. I'm preaching in the Holy Ghost. There's an assurance that comes when you grab a hold of Jesus and you don't trust in your finances to bring you. I'm pre Come on, come on, somebody. God is speaking to somebody right now. Come on. You want, you, you want to hear a testimony? I'm telling you, there was a moment in time. I remember the number to this day. Me and my wife, amen, we needed $711.13 in order to make rent. We were pastoring at the time, and it seemed like the more that I tried to do for God, the more that things were being taken away from me. It seemed like the more, amen, I tried to push forward in the kingdom of God, it seemed like more was being taken out of me and my family's pocket. My wife came to me and she said, what are we going to do? And I'm telling you, I had no clue where the money was going to come from, but there was a peace inside of me because I still had Jesus. And I looked at my wife and I told her, I don't know where it's coming from, but I just have a feeling that everything is going to be all right. Can I tell you, just a few days later, my wife got a settlement check for a job she worked for years ago. Can I tell you the amount? It was $711. I'm telling you, God will meet every single one of your needs. Come on, God will meet every single one of your needs. But you got to learn how to be faithful and dothin. Come on, let's lift our hands all over this house right now. Come on, lift your hands and your voice all over this house right now. God is speaking to someone out of a whirlwind right now. God is speaking to someone who's sitting in darkness right now. God is speaking to someone who feels abandoned right now. Come on. Come on, you got to learn how to pray in Dothan. You got to learn how to pray when you don't feel anything. Come on, why don't you do it right now? Lift up your voice and begin to thank God. Come on, without the music, why don't you lift up your voice and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, someone tap in the spirit right now. Tap in the spirit right now. Come on, somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's it. There's some light that's beginning to pierce the darkness. Come on. Come on. There's a trickle of anointing that you're starting to feel. There's some raindrops that's starting to fall in a barren landscape right now. 
Come on, the Holy Ghost can move right now. We don't have to finish this sermon. Come on, you're in Dothan. It's okay. It's okay. God still hears you. God still knows where you're at. God still knows what he's doing in your life. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. I know what it's like to go through dry spells, but then I feel just an ounce of the anointing and the power of God. I'm telling you, God is going to begin to comfort somebody under the sound of my voice right now. I'm telling you, God sent me here for no other reason uh, to let you know that he's still with you, uh, that he still loves you, uh, that he's still doing something great, uh, that he hasn't forgotten about the dreams he's given you. Come on, that's it. Just a few more moments. Come on. Just a few more moments. Why doesn't somebody reach out right now? Come on, you may not be in Dothan right now, but you need to pray for somebody who is right now. Come on, we need to pray right now. We need to pray right now. We need to pray. Come on, lift up your voice. Hallelujah. Come on, you're not going to drown. You're not going to be destroyed. You're not going to die. You are not forsaken. You are not forgotten. You are still loved. You are still working. Amen. God is still working on your behalf. Amen. Even when you face the paradox of Dothan and you can't see him, he's still working on your behalf. And even when you can't feel him, he's closer than he's ever been. You got to stand still and understand that the blessings of God doesn't always look the same but God is working it all out for my good nonetheless come on let's stand all over this house hallelujah I'm going to just say this and, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to call an altar call. But I heard your pastor say something. I think we were talking in conversation. This is a few years ago. There are simple words that sometimes leave a profound impact on your life. And he said, you know what? We have to learn to have a spirit of anticipation and not a spirit of expectation. And what you'll hear is you'll hear preachers, and, and they mean well. I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody. But they say, come on, you need to come expecting something great. You know, you know what the problem with expectation is? What you're indicating when you're expecting something is that you're looking for God to do something very specific. You're waiting for the right song, the right sermon, 
the right amount of people to be in service. And you come to God with your expectations. But what you need to learn to do is have a spirit of anticipation that says, I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know how this song applies to my life. I don't know how this sermon applies to my life. But I'm not going to put God in a box and tell him he has to do this or he has to do that. And my, I'm preaching. you got to learn how to say, God, whatever it looks like, wherever you take me, whatever you're doing, I trust you. you got to learn how to adopt the spirit of anticipation. Patient, hear me, because sometimes our miracle comes in a package that we didn't expect. And sometimes the word we need is not this word that we expected. And sometimes the song that we wanted was not the song that we needed. And how when pastor gets up and he's just preaching about the plan of salvation and I've already received the whole, how does this apply to me? I'm telling you, there's something powerful that happens when you just respond to what's going on where God will begin to take care of your needs and God will begin to bless you when you're faithful, when God is silent. Watch this. You see this all throughout Scripture. If there's someone that's going to play the, the music, you can come at this time. Watch this all throughout Scripture. God is showing us that I don't work the way that you think I should work. And I don't move the way that you think I should move. God is not some, 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 some group of statistics, amen, that you can analyze and say he's going to do this on this day and he's going to move this way on this day. No, hear me today. You know what the Bible says? It says his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. Come on, if you don't understand what's going on, that's perfect because you're not supposed to always understand, but you're supposed to trust. Watch this, because if we get caught up in God moving and working in a certain way, we're going to miss what God has for us. Watch this. At one point, God tells Moses to strike the rock in order for water to come from it. But then in another time, God tells Moses to speak to the rock. Jesus would speak and people were healed. And other times he would lay his hands on them and they were healed. God would heal the blind instantaneously with a word. But other times he gathered dirt and he put it in their eyes. Jesus healed a leper instantly. But to the other ten, he told them, go and show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. God would heal the deaf in a moment. And in another case, he would have put his fingers in the ear of the deaf man to heal him. Watch this. God raised the son of a widow from death during a funeral procession. But Jesus would wait three days before he resurrected Lazarus. Israel had to march around Jericho. And then there were times they were instructed to stand still. God spoke through men, and God spoke through a donkey. What I have to understand is my answer is my answer, and my blessing is my blessing, and what my miracle requires is what my miracle requires, and I can't look at my neighbor's life and expect God to do the exact same thing in my life. Come on, God is doing something special, but I got to learn how to trust him in Dothan. And sometimes my blessing requires an unorthodox method. Name and I understand that sometimes God healed people instantaneously, but for you and for your life, you gotta go dip seven times. Does it make sense? No. Do I understand? No. But how bad are you willing to get what God has for you? How bad are you willing uh, to see your lost loved ones come back to church? How bad do you want your calling and your ministry? How bad do you want revival in ARC? How bad do you want to see a miracle in your life? How bad do you want your healing? Are you willing 
to trust God when he's silent. Thank God for the Elishas of this world. Thank God for the Elishas that are here under the sound of my voice where God split the heavens open and he opened up your eyes and you saw chariots and you felt divine protection and you felt hope and you felt salvation and you were, you were encouraged by what you saw. But for the rest of us, hear me today, every hand lifted, every eye closed. But for the rest of us that are in a pit, and being sold into slavery and being accused falsely and thrown into prison and being forgotten about. Ask yourself this question. Is my devotion the same even when God doesn't meet my expectations? Is my devotion and my dedication to the house of God the same even when God doesn't answer my prayers. How do I worship God when he says no to what I want and what I desire? How do I serve God when he's silent? How do I serve God when it's dark and there's no anointing that's breaking through and I feel abandoned? I'm preaching about the paradox of Dothan that even when you can't feel him, he's working, he's moving, he's doing something special in your life. Come on, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, you may think that this is an ordinary Sunday, but I'm telling you, everything that's happened in your life has led you to this moment. You don't understand how all the puzzle pieces fit together, but God has ordained for you to be here today. And if you want to leave changed, if you want to leave free of your addictions and free of alcohol and free of drugs, I'm telling you, you ought to come to this altar and lift your hands and God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. For those of us that are trusted saints, good saints of God, God, we've seen a lot of tragedy. We've seen a lot of hardship. We've seen a lot of darkness. I'm telling you, God wants to shine some light in your life right now. Even though he's silent. Even though he's silent. I may have been preaching all this time and you still haven't felt anything. I'm telling you, respond in faith. Come down to this altar and lift your hands right now because God is about to reveal himself to somebody. God is about to give somebody some understanding right now. Come on, come on, don't wait. Run to this altar and throw your hands up and begin to thank Jesus. I'm telling you, something supernatural is going to come from this service. Something special is about to come from this place. Lift your hands and begin to thank God. Don't complain. Don't bitch. Don't get frustrated. Don't walk out on God. Don't go to the church down the road. Lift your hands and say, I trust you. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come on, don't be ashamed. Sometimes your miracle requires you to cry out to God. Sometimes your miracle requires you to do things that make you feel uncomfortable. If I were you, I wouldn't be worried about what others thought. I wouldn't be worried if others hear what I'm saying. But I need you, Jesus. I need a revelation right now. I need a transformation right now. Come on. It's the paradox of Dothan. It's the paradox of Dothan. It's the paradox of Dothan. Sometimes he shows up. Sometimes he doesn't. Come on, lift your hands. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. Come on, it's about to sweep across this place. Lift your voice and lift your hands. Begin to thank you. That's it. That's it. Lift your voice. He's moving right now. Come on, lift your voice.
Come on, if you need something, lift your hands. Lift your hands all over this place.
Come on, keep praying for a few more moments. Keep praying for a few more moments. Some of you have already been blessed. For others, you've been praying and still haven't gotten your breakthrough. Come on, this is where the rubber meets the road. you got to learn how to press through.